Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I am joined now by our guest, Grant McCagg, former NHL scout and owner of Recruits.ca. Um, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, I'm really happy to have you here uh, after everything that's happened with the Canadians actually pulling off an upset win and changing where they're drafting. I know a lot of fans are going to be... Uh, Starting to scramble to find some information on new uh, new draft picks that they they you know fall in love with, but we'll begin with the Pittsburgh Canadian series. Um, but before we do that, I got a quick question that I think is going to just trigger a bunch of people. If uh, if Pittsburgh actually wins the draft lottery that's going to be held on Monday night, uh, will have social media implode? Uh, I think uh, social media in general. <laughs> Philadelphia media will implode. Oh, uh, Pennsylvania media. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, any teams that are in their, in their, in their division 
Uh, and uh, but it seems like Montreal, it's extra. Uh, you know, it seems to bug us an extra amount because uh, Lafreniere is an extra in that club, right? So not being able to get him and uh, you know, the Penguins. Last time there, there was a lottery where, you know, one of the bottom teams didn't get the pick. It was it was Pittsburgh and uh, it was Sid the Kid in the Quebec League and now it would be deja vu all over again. So, yeah, I mean, Excellent throughout 
through the series, and uh, you know they just wore down the the Penguins, and uh, you know the, the kids the kids played great, and I think that that the, the rest of the team just fell off that, and um, it was it was uh, nice to see. Now you you mentioned the kids, and you kind of touched on the player usage. Uh, what were the exact changes that you were talking you were talking about this quite a long time in the first first two three yeah. games so uh what what exactly were those changes that you were talking about well yeah i mean i wrote an article after the second game uh you know that um i thought that um Karkinami needed to play with offensive players that he he's you know, the only guy that scored two goals in the first two games and he's obviously uh, reached another level in his in his game since since he was last playing with the Habs. I guess he worked on his little body there in the time off and got got his speed back. And was um, you know it gained some strength for the little body that he wasn't able to do last summer because of knee surgery. And he you could just tell from the first shift during that installation during that you know okay he's <laughs> There, there was a night and day difference in, in his pace, pace to his game, and uh, you know I wanted to, I wanted him playing with Drew and Domi, but then Evans got hurt and couldn't really. There wasn't really another fourth line centerman that could, so they kept Domi in the first slot. That's fine, but uh, they, you know, the thing that I thought was most important was getting to know out of that first first slot, first center slot. I just don't. I've been saying it for years that they're not a contender until Denver's their third line center. I think that's what he was got, what they got him for in the first place. You know, to replace Eller to be that shutdown third line center. Once once they once they had the top two centermen, and I, and, and you know, obviously when they're 18 years old, and I use Kakanami uh, and Suzuki, Suzuki at 19, and they're going to use them. As first line centers, but uh, they're both uh, they both matured enough. They're both 20 year olds now. They, you know, they've learned a lot from the coaching staff and the playing in the NHL. They're they're ready to uh, to play with Montreal's best offensive players because they're the best offensive centers they have. Like, play your play your offensive guys together and go for it. Don't just try not to lose. Try to actually win. Because the talent, I think the talent is there now, um, to uh, to compete with anybody when everybody's playing together. Now, I know a lot of people have been uh, wishing for Nefranya to come to the Canadians because they feel that getting that, you know, that top talent is important. But we've been talking about Kotniemi and Suzuki, who were both fairly high in their draft years. Um, so, to you, what is the importance of these? Playoffs for their development. Well, I think it's it's very important. Uh, I mean, I equate uh, them getting uh, uh, to play against the top top centermen in the league in the playoffs. Uh, in, in playoffs, is uh, you know, is just as important as as getting a, a top ten pick. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I said it. I did a poll before the playoffs saying like would you rather win two playoff rounds and uh get the 16th pick and you know get these kids uh some uh, playoff experience or you know would you rather just lose three straight to 
Pittsburgh and uh, and get the ninth pick, and, and even not the first pick, but the ninth pick. Eighty percent of the league rather just have the ninth pick, and that just that flabbergasting thing. I just I think people really underestimate just how important it is to to have a winning atmosphere and to have Most of my listeners who who follow you and know you know you as a draft guru. So um, I believe you you put out a quote on Twitter that that intrigued me, and that was uh, Seth Jarvis in three playoff rounds for the young core would be a nice conclusion to the season for the Canadians. Now the Canadians are at 16th. Is Jarvis the man you would pick at that pick? If he was there, yeah. I mean, I have him. I have him top 12 in my rankings, so I don't necessarily expect him to be there, but because of, uh, you know, he's, what, he's under 5'10", and that, uh, that seems to drop the guys. You know, Caulfield was quite arguably a top top 10 uh, prospect, but he dropped 15 because of his size. Well, the same could hold true with Jarvis. I mean, I've seen him on some lists where he's, He's in the later teens as well. So, you know, not everybody has him highly ranked as I do. So uh, it's possibility that he's there, and certainly that would be the guy that uh, that I'd like them to get uh, if they're if they're picking at 16. I just I don't know that there's many players in this draft with higher, other than the top two forwards with higher uh, offensive upside. So he's. Uh, he could be a special player. Hmm. Now, I, I know a lot of people have mentioned Hendrix Lepiad as one of those types of players. Um, and with all the talk of, you know, you, with everything being equal, you pick the Francophone. Do you think if the two of them were at, were there at 16, uh, would they pick the Francophone over, Jar, uh, over, over Jarvis? Well, I mean, that's the other guy I've been saying in the past, too. You know, before before this, I've said Lapierre. But, uh, you know, I've started to get the feeling maybe that Jarvis will be there at 16. Um, yeah. I think the odds are higher that, that Lapierre is there. And certainly if uh, if uh, Jarvis is gone, Lapierre would be a pretty nice uh, pickup at, at 16. But um, Habs are looking pretty strong at center. Yeah. Um, Certainly, you, you know, it, all things being equal, you take the centerman over the winger as a rule. But from a team need standpoint, at this point, uh, you know, they'd be just as uh, soon, uh, maybe even pre- preferred to, to pick the winger over over the center if they're equal. 
because uh, that's where you know that's where they need the the most help, I believe. Uh, right now. Um, not that said, you know, centers can always be moved to the wing, but when you already have a guy that plays the wing, uh, you know, maybe uh, he'd be a better winger than last year, right? Because that's where he's always played. Um, yeah, I mean, it, all things being equal, there you, you would take a lot of air, but uh, all things, uh, if Lapierre was healthy over the past two years, yeah, things would be a little more equal, you know. But uh, because of the injury factor and then the uncertainty of that, that to me makes it unequal. So all things aren't equal. And if it was, if it came down to Lapierre or Jarvis, I, I think the Habs would lean towards Jarvis the more, uh, you know, the less uh, in, in his health down, down the road. Okay. And you kind of touched on it, but uh, with the Habs uh, draft priority, when you were t- speaking about uh, the winger versus the center, but do you, is there, do you feel that their priority this year is going to be uh, adding offensive skill or to add perhaps a mobile defenseman? Well, they've got five, four picks in the past, so I don't think they're going to, uh, just, you know, they're going to go with what they think is their DPA, uh, regardless. You know, I don't think they'll say, "Well, like you know, okay, we have to get an offensive winger with the 16th pick." I mean, if, if there's like just uh, throwing it out there, let's say Cooley is there at 16, and they have him eight on their list, which isn't entirely possible. Well, that's who they'll pick, you know. Um, They'll pick whoever is the highest guy on the list. I truly believe that. Um, you know, you, you, it could be the goalie. It might be Askarov. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't put it past them. You, it's all about collecting assets, and they're going to uh, draft what they feel is the best asset. And if that asset has to be moved down the road to uh, plug in another hole, then they'll do that, you know. Um, so... I mean, you can put it. You can think about that all you want. Say, so, well, they're gonna. The team needs this. Or that. Well, I think there was somebody posted a stat from the last time the Canadians had a playoff, played in the playoffs, or, or three years ago, and there was three players still on the team. So, you know, the prospect isn't ready for three, four years. Be kind of silly to. Just to say, well, we we need this. We have this team need. We better pick that player, type of player. When three or four years down the road, the team could look completely different than it does now. You know what I mean? It, it, it's that's why you don't. You're not drafting for next season. You're drafting for three to ten years down the road, and you have no idea what the what the what the team's going to look like at that point. It could be completely different. And, you know, what was the strength uh, on draft day could be the biggest weakness in five years. So that's why I, you know, all things equal, uh, sure, you know, okay, they need a winner, all right, we'll take the winner. But it's rare that, you know, there's three prospects on the board and you have them all ranked the exact same. 
There's usually one that's got an edge, and if that's the case, they'll pick the guy that they have. You know, they, that they have 11th ranked at 16, or 8th ranked, or whatever the case may be. That's that's. I'm pretty sure that's Simmons. Uh, it's like when he picked Perry Price. You know, well, why did you pick Price? You have Theodore. You have you know, this guy, that guy. Well. Because that was the best asset. That was the it was the player they had the highest ranked on their list. Yeah, it turned out okay. Yeah, it's okay. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do find that a lot of people tend to uh confuse when they watch NFL drafts, they're drafting for their need at that moment. Because sure. they're twenty four twenty two to twenty four years old. Yeah, they're they're not seventeen year old kids. Though. That's right. And very few of them step into the lineup even in the first two years. It's usually three to five years before they're regulars, and the team can look completely different by that point. So, yeah, I, you know, all things equal, they'll they'll draw for a need, uh, but it's rare that all things are equal. So you you know you pick the top guy on your list. Exactly. And and you've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but um with being able to uh to make moves if needed, do you feel that uh this might be a year where the Canadians actually put a package together to perhaps move up or to find a roster player to plug in right away? Yeah, I this is a year where they have they actually have those draft assets, you know. People in the past, like the Habs with one pick in the top 90, and they're saying, well, how come they didn't trade off? Well, because they didn't have any draft picks to, you know. The, this year, they've got three second-round picks to dangle. So I, what I think is most likely, because teams don't normally move down in the top 15, you know. They're getting a player they really like. And uh, to talk them into moving down is, it's less likely. Uh, what I think is more likely to happen is something where they package two, you know, the 39th and 40th or whatever they end up with and move up into the end of the first round type thing and up with two first round picks, you know. That's probably the more likely scenario, but you never know. Maybe, you know, uh, somebody that they love uh, drops to 12 or something like that and, uh, you know, they say, well, look, you know, we'll give you the 16th and the 39th pick for for the 12th. You know, the, the odd time you, you can talk a team into, into something like that, especially if they think, well, the guy we really like uh, is probably going to be there at, tw- at 16. Uh, but, it, I mean, it has to be a perfect storm. Uh, teams are, are rarely convinced. Talked into uh, moving uh, – Moving down from a top 15 pick because they're, you know, they're invariably getting somebody that's in their top eight or nine and that they, that they think it was going to really help their team perhaps even within a year. So it's tough to, uh, you know, it's tough to, to, to uh, make that trade. But certainly when you get, you see a lot more deals where teams move it from 20 to 22 to, you know, 38 or 28 to 38, stuff like that. So because they have those uh, so many picks in this year's draft, I think you may – I think they're going to make 
a couple of trades to, to move up. Perhaps even do the old uh, trade a pick or two for picks the following year. Because I don't see them uh, keeping on 14 picks. You just, you're, you're never going to be able to come in all. So uh, it doesn't really make sense to do that. So I expect I expect some uh, some movement of picks one way or the other. Now, do you feel that uh, because this draft is going to be done remotely, um, that it might slow down some of the draft talks? Because on the draft floor, you notice GMs and assistant GMs milling about, talking to old friends, and then things just start to roll from there. Do, do you feel it'll slow things down? I think most of the trades are, are done on the phone anyway, you know. Like even when they're at the draft, they'll get on the horn and talk to another guy and, you know, rarely are the trades made uh, in person to person, you know. Maybe if it's a huge deal and they want to, you know, shake hands on it or something like that. But uh, I don't know that that's going to affect it too much, to be honest with you, you know. I think uh, I think there'll be plenty of deals and... Uh, whether there's as many or not, maybe, you know, that's a good point, perhaps. There's a couple that are, you know, that slip through the cracks because the whole, uh, you know, the whole gang isn't right there to, to talk about it, discuss whether they should make the trade or not, too, you know? Like, you know, Trevor won't be sitting. Well, well actually, he might be. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do it that way, you know? I guess maybe the staff will be together. I'm not really sure. I haven't put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> so that's a that's a good question. Huh. Like I don't like I guess maybe, you know, the top five or six guys will probably be in a room together, but I don't know. I'm not sure how but certainly yeah, I mean they won't be, you know the two GMs aren't gonna be some able to meet and, and, and talk, but I think like I say most of them at least what, what I see, you know, when you're watching the draft and that is it's you pick up the phone and you make the deal, you know, on the phone anyway. So hopefully the, uh, it won't uh, mean uh, trades will be uh, determined. Okay. And um, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier on about uh, sliding players. And you mentioned Caulfield last year being a player that slid out of the top 10. Who do you see as a possible slider this season? Generous. That's why I totally bring him up as a guy that that uh, has to get at 16. And that's based on his size, as you, I believe you mentioned yeah. earlier? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that always seems to be, you know, certainly not based on anything else, you know. <laughs> yeah, just like Caulfield. Yeah. No, there's usually a guy that should go higher than he goes uh, that doesn't because he's not, you know, not six foot and two hundred pounds, and uh, that for me is uh, in this draft would be Jarvis. But I mean, there's also lot lot Pierre that could slide. You know, he might slide in the twenties. You know, maybe that's a guy that uh, if, if that happens, if that happens, so, hmm, let's try to package a deal where we get Jarvis and Lapierre. I mean, that'd be nice to complete the draft with those two guys. Yeah, and um, do you have a, a comparable, a playing style comparable for Jarvis for my listeners who haven't read your draft guide yet? 
I've never thought about that. It kind of put me on the spot. Oh. I'm not big. Uh, I'm not a big unless it jumps out at you. I yeah. don't really like to. I don't really like to do that. Okay. Make com- comparables because then you know every player is different. You know, there's very few that. Oh well, he's the next this or that. I mean, everyone's got you know everyone's an individual and they 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 have different whether it's size or skating or character or whatever, what have you. There's no two that have the exact same rating for every you know for every category. So, um, yeah, I don't uh, off the top of my head, I can't I can't name anybody. I've never thought about it, so I'd, I'd have to get back to him. Oh, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. Um, now, <clears throat> I've been I've been reading a draft list for a few years, and you always have this one player that you dra- you put a little higher than uh, than other draft lists would. Uh, Kotniemi is a perfect example of that. Uh, is there one player this year that you have listed higher than most, and why? Yeah, that'd be Jake Sanderson. Um, he's the he's the guy that uh, you know. The last two months, just like it seems like every year, I think when we talk to a guy and I get called told that I'm an idiot, but you know, I want to be scouts. There's so many of them out there on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's the guy that um, he could he could go top three, and that'll shock all these guys. But uh, just like Cockney, I mean, you know, lots of people didn't think he'd go top eight. You know. And uh, what happened, right? He went, he went third overall. So, uh, yeah, I think Sanderson might be uh, the third pick. Sanderson might take him to three. Um, he's uh, just such a such a great skater. A lot of reminds me in a lot of ways of Heiskanen. I don't know if he'll be that good, but uh, that just uh, a lot of a lot of comparables to Heiskanen for me. He's such a smooth, natural skater, and uh, Physical, impossible to beat one on one. Uh, offensive game, I think, is only just going to get better and better as as he gains more confidence. And um, I I think he's a lock to go top five. But you see a pile of lists where he's not even top seven. You know, so for me, that's the guy. That's the guy in the top ten that uh, will go higher than a lot of people expect. Okay. And just to change gears, uh, keep uh, keep people on their toes, uh, we'll move over to the Canadian Flyers series that's going to be coming up soon. And I know that there's going to be miles and miles of ink printed about just how much of a, uh, an underdog the Canadians are, but the same thing happened with Pittsburgh. So what do you, what do you think is going to be uh, the main storyline with this, with this series? Uh, probably the battle of the goalies. You know, can the can the kid uh, match match Curry uh, Price uh, in nets? Um, will the Habs get enough uh, pressure on them and you know rattle them, get them rattled early? And uh, you know, this is his first uh, NHL playoff action, and uh, we'll see if he can hold up. Like it's uh, confidence and you know. Uh, mental uh, approach is so, so key for a goal. I mean, it's, it's like 80% of the game sometimes. And uh, the 
he looks like he's he's locked in. Like he's uh, I haven't I don't think I've seen him play better in the playoffs than he did in that first round of series and he's uh he's comfortable and he's in a I, I think he's gonna be outstanding. I don't see that changing. But the you know, the uh, the the one factor, the X factor will be Carter Hart. Will he uh will he be able to uh, maintain that confidence and, and play at a level that, that Kerry is playing at, that remains to be seen. And if he can, Philly's, you know, like Philly's going to be tough to beat with that, with, uh, with that collection, with that depth and with the scoring. Um, but uh, I think it, the series could come down to uh, which goalie plays better. Okay. And, would you go out on a limb and uh, make a prediction, or are you just going to sit back and enjoy the show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my prediction is it's going to go six or seven games, uh, and it'll be tight. And uh, like, you know, I'm I'm not going to predict which team will win because it it it'll go either way. I think uh, if Price outplays uh, Hart. They went in seven or six, and they said the other round, they went in seven or six. Well, I hope it's the other way around. Personally, I'd love to, I'd love to watch some more hockey. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, yeah. It, it can only help the young players, you know. Yeah, exactly. As you mentioned in your tweet, there three playoff rounds and some experience for the young kids, and then a mid-round pick is. Uh, I mean, I I believe that'd be priceless for uh, for the young centermen. Yes. Um, so, can you give my listeners where they can find you and where they can get your draft guide? Because that is a goldmine of information, especially for those who haven't been researching for the 16th pick. Yeah, well, uh, you, you go on recruits.ca and you can uh, you can find a link to the right there on the homepage link to the draft guide. Yeah, recruits is R E C R U T E S dot C A. And uh or you can follow me or you know, follow me on Twitter and I'll be putting up links uh all the time. Um I'm putting out a second version of the draft guide for probably in a week's time or so. Um with with the month draft in there. Wasn't able to do it for the first edition, so I decided to do two PDF versions which you'll be getting a copy of, obviously, and uh, <laughs> all the subscribers, and then we'll hopefully get some new guys uh, and gals that uh, subscribe, uh, at, you know, once I get the second version out. Then I have some articles from uh, several writers uh, covering NHL teams, including Ottawa, um, Colorado, Philadelphia, uh, guys that have written for for me in the past, they're all going to put out articles on their team's draft meets and uh, hope to get a few, you know, get a few avalanche uh, fans and, and like uh, also subscribing for the first time and having a look and seeing, seeing my draft guide and hopefully uh, becoming regular uh, players of it. Well, let's uh, let's hope it keeps expanding. And uh, now with there's a 32nd team, you never know. You might you might corner of the Seattle market. Yeah. Get cracking on her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Always ending on a, je- a dad joke is perfect. Um, 
Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Grant. I, I truly appreciate you doing this, uh, and I hope that uh, my listeners uh, do go out and buy your your draft guide because, as I have, I found it a, a gold mine of information for prospects. So, thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.